Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Find Me in a Book podcast. I'm your host, Tav. We are talking about episode 53 today, which is about the best book series, seriously. And I know I said that last week with like the Crave series, which is the best series. But if you've been listening to my podcast and like all the episodes, I mentioned the Blood and Ash series quite a bit, like quite a bit, at least like once a month, if not more. And fortunately, uh, the second book in like a different series still related to the Blood and Ash series came out. If that even makes sense. And so we are going to be talking about the first book in that little series. So how this works, this is all from Jennifer Armentrout, which she is one of my favorite, favorite authors. I seriously am obsessed with all of her books as well as my sister is. And how it works, so there's the Blood and Ash series, which there's four books on there. And that uh, we have talked about in previous episodes, which are episodes 20 to 23. So if you're not sure about the series that I've constantly been raving about, go to those episodes and re-listen to them. And honestly, I would go and re-listen to them anyways to get this series started. I've kind of been jumping all around because I'm just so excited about all of this. Um, Okay, so there's those four books. The books that we're going to be talking about now, like the today and next week, are basically like a prequel to the four books. Like they take place like thousands of years before like the Blood and Ash series and kind of give us a history of the gods and how they came about. And if you followed along with the Blood and Ash series, like the very last like episode and book that we talked about, they mentioned like the consort and like Nyctos and he's like the the god of the shadows or god of death, like the primal of death, I guess, not the gods because he's higher than the gods. He's a primal. So we talk about those characters quite a bit in the fourth book. So this is their story. And the girl, her name is Sarah, how she becomes the consort, basically. And so, yeah, it's a prequel, but also, like, it's so cool, the relationship between the two series. Because I know that the fourth book, or, like, the Blood and Ash series was already established, and and then there's this series, which is the Flesh and Fire series, like, came after. But still, I just love seeing how related they are and what is happening in these prequels now is happening in the other series. And I don't know. I just really like how they are related. So, yes, this is the Flesh and Fire book one. And then next week is book two, which book two was just barely released like last week, I think. That's why we're we're going to be talking about this series today and next week because I'm just I'm so excited to read that second book I'm gonna probably start on it tonight um but yeah so there are some overlapping characters a little bit between the two series which I love I'm really really hoping that you've read the Blood and Ash series books or listen to the episode so when I do like reference things in this book you can be like oh yeah okay woo that's so cool I mean because that was my reaction I was like oh my gosh that's how it happened and I was just so excited so I hope that you share that excitement with me because it's just all around so cool and also just so that you're aware if you're not aware already 
Jennifer Armentrout's books are very detailed, very like just so much information in these books. And that's why it was kind of difficult to do the Blood and Ash series because there was just so many details and so many different stories and the characters are so like deep. And you want to you want to tell like I want to tell you guys like all about these characters and what they went through and the, all the situations. But there's just so much that I couldn't possibly like actually I could like but I would take hours uh, to tell you what all is happening in these books because there's a lot that I'm skipping that I don't think is like super pertinent to the main storyline but still is like super good to know. So this is the this series and the Blood and Ash series are ones that I highly recommend that you read because there's so much you are missing by not reading them. So yeah, oh my gosh, just just a lot. Um, so if you're confused through this book, that's okay. Um, hopefully by the second book we can like kind of straighten things out. Or if you're just confused in general definitely DM me on Instagram. I am more than happy to answer any questions or clarify things or just be confused with you uh, because we're in this together. So, I mean, I think that's a good deal. So this first book, The Flesh and Fire, it came out last October. So it's been over a year since this book came out. And I believe that's when I read it too, was last year. And then I reread it this past week and remembered a lot of different details because I had read those four books recently. And so it just, yeah, it all came together. And uh, the Blood and Ash series, I would say, is very spicy. Like, very, very spicy, very detailed. This series, so far, it is spicy, but there's not as many scenes. And, like, uh, it's still pretty detailed, but you are easily able to skip them, if that makes sense. Like with the Blood and Ash series, I feel like it was always kind of like sexual, you know, in the book. And this is not. So that's kind of a refreshing thing um, that you're not always like thinking about that. Uh, so, yes, this is not as spicy. And yes, definitely recommend it to my sister. I am telling, literally texting her right now saying, have you started on this book? Like, when are you going to read this book? Are you going to read the second book? Like, I am just nag at her so that she <laughs> starts reading this so I could talk to someone about it. So, yeah, just so much info, so much going on. So if you are ready for this, let's 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 get into it. I'm just I'm so excited. So as I talked about earlier, we are going to be talking about Sarah and her name, uh, real name or full name is like Seraphine, I think, not Seraphina. I think it's just Seraphine. But at the start of the book, she's 17, she's 17 years old and she's basically this crafted bride. And the price for her had basically been promised 200 years before she was born. And her mom places the veil of the chosen over her head, which we kind of know what that is, um, to be chosen. And Sarah's old nursemaid basically told her, like, you may not be chosen, but you were born into this realm shrouded in the veil of the primals, a maiden as the fates promise, and you'll, you shall leave this realm touched by life and death. So in this book, there's like a lot of omens or like prophecies that people say that you're like, I don't know what this means, but I know that it's important. 
That's one of them. And yeah, we don't really know what it means at this point. So Sarah looks in the mirror and she's like, you know what? I look like a chosen, which are the third sons and daughters born and destined to serve the primal of life in his court. And there was a lot of like celebrations throughout the land in preparation of the right. And I mean, these words sound familiar, right? <laughs> like, uh, and at the right is when they would ascend and enter the realm of Elysium to serve the primals and the gods. So she was 17. It was happening that night. She would become the primal of death's consort. So 200 years ago, um, she was basically promised like her line, the first female in her line was promised to the primal of death. And so as she came of age, they prepared her for this basically backstory, which I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but this is a backstory is that there's this rot that's happening in the kingdom that is like rotting the farms. And so this kingdom is basically in, in despair. So they came up with this plan that they would teach Sarah how to basically kill the primal of death so that the rot would stop. So she's been taught like what his weakness would be, uh, which is for a primal to make them fall in love and then to end him, basically. Um, so she is getting ready to go and be this consort to the primal of death. And so she is there with her mom and Tavius, which is her stepbrother, and then King Arnold, which King Arnold is her stepdad and her real dad was the king but he like I think he went crazy or something and fell off like the castle I don't know so this is like her step family and then she has a stepsister Ezra which we like Ezra um, and some more history about like the 200 years previous is uh, King Roderick he'd been growing desperate enough to do anything to salvage the lands that were ruined by war and like those who were starving and they were really suffering. Um, so he expected a lesser god to answer his summons, but in actuality, it was a primal. And when he went to grant the King Roderick's request, which this is the primal of death, um, answering their request, it was the firstborn daughter of the Muriel bloodline as his consort, which that's who Sarah is. She's of the bloodline. And they are getting her ready and basically saying like, you know what, if he doesn't arrive, basically all is lost. Like everything that the primal had granted King Roderick would continue to become undone. And no one knew that Sarah really existed. They didn't know that she was the princess of the Muriel blood. And everything that she did was basically planned in secrecy from like training with um, one of her guards, which is Sir Holland to the time that she spent with this mistress of, I think it's like mistress of the jade, which basically teaching her in seduction, which is interesting because she has to have the primal of death fall in love with her that so that she can kill him. So they were teaching her how to seduce him, which I thought was interesting for someone to grow up to learn. And once they get into like the ceremony, the primal of death arrives and he takes one look at her and says, I have no need of a consort. And that's it. He disappears. And so all these years they've gotten her ready, everything, that's it. He's gone. And so immediately everyone was like, you failed us. You failed. Now everything is lost. And they just treat her so poorly over the next three years. 
Like her mom doesn't even really talk to her. Like just the worst treatment. And she becomes an assassin. And for those that work in the castle, they just know her as the queen's handmaiden. Um, But they don't actually know like, hey, she's actually a princess. And then when she turned 18, she was again veiled and wrapped in like this gown and brought to the shadow temple where they tried to summon the primal of death again and he didn't show. Again, they did it when she turned 19 and then again when she turned 20. And still, he didn't come those three years. Like, And her mom, yeah, again, just hardly talked to her. They treated her poorly because they're like, you failed. Like, the rot isn't going to go away. Like, our farmers are starving. Like, this is all your fault. And so as she, she has an assignment from her mother because their kingdom is failing. And so they've reached out to other kingdoms to help them. And one of the kingdoms came back and was like, hey, we're going to send our answer with um, one of our people or whatever. So the guy comes, he brings the head of the messenger from their kingdom, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, the queen was like, hey, go and assassinate them. So she does. She goes out and kills these people. Um, but on her way back, she notices, like, she has just a weird feeling. And she notices this goddess just out in the middle of nowhere. Like, I guess you can tell when, like, they are a god or goddess. And it wasn't exactly a shock to see one of them in, like, the capital, especially if they needed to carry out business on behalf of the primal that they served, which a little bit of, like, hierarchy or history with Elysium, which Elysium is, like, the whole... I don't know, after, not afterlife. It's like the God's country. Instead of kingdoms, a primal ruled over a court. And in place of like noble titles, they had gods to answer in their court. So there were 10 primals and they held their court in Elysium. And in those courts were all the different gods. And there were like godlings and there were like some mortals there and everything like that. So um, usually a god belonged to the prime, a primal. And so she is seeing this mortal basically be murdered by this goddess and two gods. And so she is like about to go out and help when someone comes behind her and like grabs her mouth and says like, I wouldn't make a sound if I were you. And she's able to get their names, like the three god and goddesses. So she turns around to see who basically grabbed her and it's like this beautiful man, of course, and he's a god. Like she can tell that he is. And so um, they they have this like banter back and forth and they're trying to investigate why these gods are doing this. And like they try and help each other. And his name is Ash. And along the way, like that night, they're just they're looking for clues. They're trying to figure out what's happening. Um, he calls her Liesa. And says that she's very brave. Which remember what liaison means? It means my queen. But uh, of course she doesn't know that yet. And then later on. Um, she like goes home. It's like a couple nights later. She goes back out for something. And she feels that same feeling. And so she goes to like investigate. She sees like the goddess come out of this house. And so Sarah goes into the house. And Ash is already there. And this whole time, she's kind of just asking Ash all of these questions. That's what a lot of this book is, is just her asking him so many questions. And he does answer, 
But it's also just so much information to like digest that it's like, can you just like stop asking questions and just like have more action in this book? That's what I was kind of thinking like this whole time. As she's going into this house that she saw like the goddess come out of, she gets a weird like a feeling um, and she knew what it meant. And what she was reacting to is death, a very recent death. I guess she really has this reaction to it. And Ash is there, which we talked about. And so they were just talking and bantering. And she's like, she looks over at like this dead body and was like, did you move the legs? And he was like, no. So they look over and this dead person sits up and is like, has this gaping mouth and like, like their lips are pulled back and they have four long canines which isn't that a craven like didn't we learn about that or is like I I don't know if it's a craven it honestly like this is a different story plot that I think might come into play in the second story or in the second book but honestly like once they kind of talk about this then it they either forget that this is happening or it's just a, a little subplot but basically, I think the craven is going to be is going to come into play, or um, what is it when like they're ascended, but they're really like these vampires, like vampiri or whatever. I think maybe that's what she might be, but they don't know. Like at this point in the story, in the lives, in like the history, they don't know who or what these creatures are. Um, so they're able to kill this creature. And um, he says Lisa again. And so she asks him, like, what does that mean? And he says it has different meanings to different people, but all of them mean something beautiful and powerful. So every time that he calls her this, she's like, oh, beautiful and powerful. Okay, okay. So they are bantering some more, kind of get a little spicy. Um, they're just very interested, and he's very intrigued by her. And so a couple days later, she encounters a Caillou wolf, which I believe they're like the the ancestors of the um, the Wolven. I think that's what it, like with Kiernan, like the Wolven. I think that's the Wolven. Yeah, they're their ancestors. And so that's really interesting. And one actually like falls before her and she is able to revive it um, and bring it back to life. And so she has these, like, powers and, like, magic almost. And she's thinking to herself, like, perhaps that's why the the primal of death had decided he no longer needed a consort. Because after all, like, she is able, she's carrying the ability to steal souls away from him. And maybe he knew that. And so she, like, goes into this big funnel of thought. Um, and the next I don't even know this timeline, honestly, but she's able to attend the rite that is um, that is going to be going on. And there is like the Chosen, which we know all about the Chosen. And Collis, the primal of life, appears. And he says like, oh, the Chosen is worthy. And then takes him up with him or takes him to Elysium. But before he does, he turns and stares into the alcove of where she is. And so he just like knows that she's there, which is very strange because it's like, mm, how do you know she's there? Do you How do you know who she is? Like, what? And we know about Collis because 
in book four of the blood and ash series we talk about him and he comes back and yeah anyways it's all like coming together okay so that next morning um her stepbrother is there and he hates her so much and she hates him so much um in like her room and basically has trapped her there and saying like you failed us you're a failure just all this stuff and uh, he says, like, oh, do you know why I can say this is because I'm the king now. And he's like, yeah, my dad, uh, my father passed away in the middle of the night, which is very suspicious. And she's like, you're not my king. And he's like, well, uh, funny you should say that because that's a treasonous statement. So I can have you arrested now. And he does. And he takes her to, like, the throne room and has her, like, pulled up and so he he whips her and all of a sudden like there's this earthquake there's thunder like basically the earth is being torn apart and uh this shadow comes out and it's ash and she's like what like that doesn't make sense and so he ash announces to the room which there's like these guards there her mother like found out what was happening and was like begging Tavius or whatever his name is. Yeah. Tavius to not do it. And her stepsister was there. Anyways, he announces that he is known as the Asher, but also he's Nyctos ruler of the Shadowlands, the primal of death. And you've touched what is mine. Oh my gosh. Right. Right. He is really Nyctos. At this point of the story, I was confused before because I was like, isn't this story about Nyctos? Like, who's this Ash guy? Like, what's happening? And then when he says that, I'm like, damn, she got me. Like, she gets it. She didn't, she knew what she was doing. I didn't know what was happening, but I'm glad that it's him. So yeah, basically he let Sarah kill Tavius for what he did to her. And um, everyone leaves like he kills the guards and then her mother and stepsister like leave. And Sarah like looks over at him and was like, uh, really? Like you're Nyctos? Like, what the heck? Like you made a deal and you didn't fulfill it. And he's like, well, why do you think I'm here now? Like you will be my consort. And I'm like, OK, you're going to be married to him. OK, we love that. Uh, and so then he, um, takes her on his horse with like his guards, like he has these gods as guards and he takes her to, uh, Elysium and on the way they have like these conversations and she's like, how did you know what was happening? And he, he tells her like, he knows that she was hurt. Like he can feel her extreme emotions because he's tasted her blood. Um, because at one point in the story, I didn't really say anything, but at one point they got spicy by the lake and um, he like kind of tasted her blood because he bit her lip and it was really spicy. And so he like tasted her blood. And so then he could like tell her emotions, basically. So they go to Elysium and on the way there, which they're almost to like his court, um, there's these mountains, but they weren't actually mountains. They were the Draken, which we know about the Draken. That was in the fourth story. And they're the guardians of Elysium, which we know. And we get to meet Nectus officially, which we kind of met in the, in the fourth book. But this is like, hey, Nectus is like for real, for real. He's like alive, the same as Nyctos. So they take her to the court. 
and she settles in. She goes to look on the balcony. She looks down, and there's just forest everywhere, and the leaves are the color of blood, which remember, <laughs> like, I'm just going to keep referencing the Blood and Ash series. Uh, like, we talk about the leaves changing because of uh, Poppy and the forest, and the it's just... Uh, I just love it. I just love the connections. And um, her and Nyctos are talking, um, just bantering this whole time, fighting, arguing, flirting, just th- constantly throughout this whole book. And he t- and she tells him, like, hey, we summoned you three times. Like, why did you not come to us? Like, why didn't you say anything? And he was like, no, I wasn't like your like priests or whatever. They might have said that they tried to summon me, but I was never summoned. So I don't know what you're talking about. And he tells her, like, it's not your fault that I didn't need a consort. And so she asks him, like, well, why not? Like, what happened? And we learn, like, it wasn't either of their choices. And he could tell it wasn't her choice to be there. And it wasn't his choice to be there because the deal was made with his father and that other king, not with him. And so he's like, that's why I didn't want a consort. I didn't feel like it was your choice or mine. Um, And he was actually going like through the culling when his dad made the deal, which the culling is the bodies going into like maturity and it increases like their ether and all that. So he was still like a young guy when his dad made this deal. And so through this conversation, uh, she asks, like, does anything happen to the mortals when a primal or gods feed off of them? And we we kind of already know this, but they, like, confirm it. Like, if they took, if, like, the primal or god took too much, then it'd be a, tra- a tragedy unless they were a third son or daughter. And it's forbidden to ascend them, which is basically to save them. And they would become a demi, which is a being with god-like power that was never meant to carry such a gift. Which, remember, the queen... Like, like the bad queen, she is a demigod and she wasn't supposed to have that power or anything like that, but, um, she did and she's really evil. Like the term ascension when it's mentioned means that the blood is drained and it's replaced by primal, by the primal or the God's blood. And that's when they have been chosen. So that's what they believe was happening to these chosen, But I guess apparently it hasn't happened in over 200 years and they are just like killed once the primal of life like takes them to Elysium, which in Blood and Ash series, they still think that this happens, that there's the chosen, they're ascended to go and serve the gods in Elysium. But no, it has it's fake this whole time, even like these thousands of years previously And it was, like, 200 years before, like, sure, that did happen. Like, the Chosen would go up and serve the gods, and it would be really great. But ever since, like, ever since Nyctos has been born and, like, a a couple different things, like, it hasn't happened. Like, basically, Collis just takes these Chosen and drains them and kills them. So that was a big shock to her. Um, and at this point, like at, and at one point she like meets with a draken and they call her May, Maya Liesa. And she's like, well, what does that mean? And what, like, what does it really mean? They're, they tell her like, it means my queen. So that's when she knows like, oh my gosh, shoot, he was calling me my queen this whole time. 
And they're like, well, yeah, you're like the consort. Are you going to be the consort? And yeah, it's just very, very cute how it all came together. As she's spending time in this court, uh, she learns that Nyctos has been helping these chosen escape um, Collis's grasp or his court. And so there was this chosen that they had helped, but she hadn't been checking in for the past couple weeks. And so they were like trying to find her and they found her like almost dead, basically, and took her to like the infirmary. Sarah just knew like she needed to help. So she went in and there's like Nyctos is in there and a couple of like the gods are in there. And she's just like, please let me help. Like, I want to help. And they're like, um, are you sure? So she like goes near this girl and she starts to glow. And they're like, uh, okay, what's happening? And one of the gods, he's like, she has the ember of life, which then Sarah um, heals and brings this girl back to life, basically. And there's like this ripple of power. Nyctos is like, why have you not mentioned it right now? Like, what? what like you have this she's like yeah well I didn't want you to know because I didn't want you to think I was like trying to like steal souls from you and he was like um I don't really care about that like you have the ember of life and so he goes into more history that his father was actually the true primal of life until his brother Collis stole it from him And there's this story that Sarah knew it had like gone throughout history and it was actually true is that one time when Collis went to the mortal world, he saw this woman, Satoria, and he instantly fell in love with her and became obsessed with her. And she didn't really like want anything to do with him. So she actually like fell off a cliff and died. And so he begged his brother like please bring her back to life please 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 and he's like no like that's not how this works like it's her choice like that's that's not what happens and so somehow Collis was able to become the primal of life so that he could bring her back to life and Nyctos's dad would become the primal of death then and so He brings her back to life and she's just very, she's not the same, of course. Like she's just very remorse. She's very like just depressed and just not, not full of life. And so she actually dies again. And um, instead of her like going to like through the pillars that they call it, uh, Nyctos's dad and one of the, the fates were like, Hey, um, why don't we actually like designate her soul for rebirth instead? Um, so every time that she dies, her soul is rebirthed into a new person. It just keeps this rebirth cycle. And so Collis is still searching for her to this day because of this cycle and he can't bring her back to life. And he, and Nyctos goes on to say like right now, there's basically two primals of death. And two of them, like, they can't rule together. And that's what's happening with, like, the rot and everything because of, like, Collis's very core. That is what he is, is the primal of death. And um, so that's why some of Elysium is dying. That's why, like, the mortal realm was dying. And once Sarah hears that, she's like, what? Like, it wasn't 
because of the deal. It wasn't because of me that there's this rot. Nick Tostels are like, what Collis did can't be undone, but what my father did by placing what had to be the ember of his life in you, like, why why would he do that? Is hidden away in a mortal bloodline this whole time. Like, he made sure that there was a chance for life. And again, she's like, but this rot, and he's like, well, what you call the rot, it's happening, it's happened in the Shadowlands. It's a consequence of there being no primal of life. So yeah, again, it had nothing to do with the deal. And she basically admits to him like, oh, well, I thought it was and I'm here to kill you. And he was like, what? And so everyone gets really upset with her. But she's like, I told you guys why I was here. Basically, like, this is what I was taught. And basically, I was forfeiting my life so that I could kill you and the rot would stop. Like, that's what happened. And then Nectus comes in, the Draken, and he's like, uh, guys, like, we're under attack from Collis. Like, he sent his little cronies over here, and, yeah, we're being attacked. So they were under attack by the Dekais, which is a race of vicious, like, flesh-eating creatures, which they appear in the fourth book as well. So, you know, there's, you know, that little plug there. After they get that all figured out, everyone's okay, and they're, like, prepping themselves for another, like, attack at some point, because Collis and basically the whole realm and the mortal realm felt that surge of power when she brought that girl back to life, and so they're like, he knows something's here. He might not know what it is, but he knows something's here, and, um... Throughout the whole book, like, her jaw had been kind of hurting, and so she was, like, given this tea to help, and she was hurting again, and they're like, um, so basically what you're experiencing is a symptom of the culling, and so since she has, like, the ember of life, like, placed in her, it gives her, like, similar side effects as the culling, because, like, she's the right age for it, and she was always given the tea by her like guard Sir Holland, which he would like teach her how to fight and everything like that. It's basically like um, Poppy's personal guard. Why can I not remember his name? But basically him, like it was the exact same. So they go back to Emma, which Emma was the chosen that was brought back to life because she stayed in Collis's court for so long. She knows kind of all about what's happening. And so they go to her and ask her some questions and she tells them that there was just some talk among the other chosen who were still there, uh, the ones that had been there the longest, uh, Collis did something to them. And they were starting to disappear. And then they would reappear and they would be different. She said that he started, he called them his reborn, his revenants. And she heard him saying once that all he needed was his grace uh, or Greca to perfect them. Which, what's a Greca? You know, like, what what is he saying by this? Also, the revenants, we know what they are. <sighs> I just love it. I love how connected. So the next day, Nyctus has to go help this town. And so most of the gods are away, and there's only a couple left with uh, Sarah. And they're walking about, like, the court when those three gods shows up. The three gods at the very beginning when I was like, hey, here's their names. They're not super important. They show up and they attack and hurt one of the gods. Her name is Bele and um, she is a huntress and just super badass. 
they hurt her and hurt the other god that was with them. So they capture Sarah just right there in like the court and they're saying like, oh, we'll soon find out if you were what the victors were protecting, which we know what a victor is, right? They're basically like protecting to guard a harbinger of great change or purpose, which remember that's who is his name Victor. Victor was a Victor of Poppy. Is that am I making that up? Is that his name Victor? Anyways, he was a Victor, and they're like talking all this smack, saying like, "Yeah, we're gonna take you to call us." And then Nick Toast arrives, and he like basically destroys them. But Belle, she dies like she's a god she and sarah's like let me try and help let me try and help like i know that i've only done this for mortals and for animals but let me try so she does she brings her back to life and they say you didn't just bring her back you ascended her she ascended a god and they're they're all just like flabbergasted because obviously this has never happened before and they're saying like she may not be a primal but she's ascended and that's a big deal like a very unexpected big deal so she's not a god but she's not a primal she's like in between and Nyctos was like hey while I was away I summoned the fates with which are the array because they just have so many questions about like who she is why she has the primal of life's like essence in her like why she just so many questions that the fates might be able to answer it takes about a day or so but nectus comes and tells them like hey they're here and so they walk around the corner and there's a goddess there and it's penelope penelope is like what poppy was named after like the goddess that poppy was named after penelope is there and she's like hey one of the fates is here and so they go in this room and it's sir holland which sir holland was her guard and like basically watched over her her whole life and he's an array which is another name for fate and one who's apparently been masquerading as a mortal this whole time And so this is where they get like a lot of answers, kind of like more answers than they wanted to know, really, but also answers a lot of our questions. And also, I apologize if none of this is making sense. Like, it's just kind of a book full of information and a little bit of action and a little bit of like storyline because you're just learning so much about this world and catching up, it feels like. And hopefully we've caught up enough to when... We read the second book that it's more of like action plot. You know what I'm saying? So the next little bit until the end is a lot of information. So sit tight and hopefully this all makes sense. I tried to do my notes like pretty clear. But yeah, again, if it doesn't make sense, no worries. It doesn't really make sense to me. And you can ask me all the questions and I'll try and help you. So, yes, they're asking Sir Holland and Penelope, like, why does she have the Ember of Life? Like, what what is happening? And she's saying, like, the Embers of Life still remained in Ethos, which is Nyctos's dad, uh, just as Embers of Death remained in Collis, like, when they switched. And then when Nyctos was conceived, part of that Ember passed on to him, like, just a little flicker of power. But his dad took that ember from him before Collis could learn that he had it. And he took that ember along with what remained in him and put it in the Muriel bloodline, which is Sarah. And that's what remains of Ethos's power and what had passed on to Nyctos. So the essence of all of that is in Sarah. Like, that's why she's going through the calling. That's why she has these powers. Like, that's why everything is happening. And Penelope tells them of a vision that she had 
which this is the same vision that actually, no, just kidding. We're not there yet. So she tells him this vision and she says there's cities forever laid in waste and kingdoms shattered and rebuilt, great and terrible wars, wars between kings and between queens, a forest made of trees the color of blood. But I also saw her, I saw them, a chosen and a descendant of the first, and a queen of flesh and fire, and and him, a king risen from blood and ash, who ruled side by side with man, and they felt right. They felt like hope. Dang. You know what I'm saying? She's she's seeing it like Poppy, like, oh my gosh. I just I love it so much. I love it so much. And then she tells him the exact same prophecy that's in the fourth book. And I didn't write it down or anything because if you want to like read it or if you have read the fourth book, you know what it's about. But basically about the the kingdom of flesh and fire, like the queens, just that whole prophecy. Then they start talking about the calling again. She can't stand it because her body is mortal still. She can't do it without the the will of what is more powerful than fate and even death, not without the love of the one who would aid her ascension. They're like, what? So basically, like, she's going to die if she doesn't have this aid. Well, what's the aid? And so basically, Nyctos has to help her with this ascension if he loves her, and hopefully he does love her enough because then she'll be able to go through with it. I don't know how it changed back to this, but it's uh, Sir Holland talking to her again, and he looks over at Nyctos and says, like, just like your father altered fate, as did the primal Kila, which I guess it was the primal that helped um, Nyctos's father with Seradia, Seradia? Satoria, that's her name, with Satoria's body, like being reborn. When they stopped a soul from entering the Shadowlands, leaving it to be born over and over again. And then he looks over at Sarah and says, You are a war you are a warrior, Serafina. You always have been, just like she learned to become. And Sarah's like, What? No. No, 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 no. And he says, you have had many names, you've lived many lives, but it is that one, the first one that Ethos remembered when he answered Roderick Muriel's summons, he always remembered her. So basically what he did, like Nyctos's dad, he hid the ember of life where it could be safe and where it could grow in power until a new primal was ready to be born in the one being that could weaken his brother. And she's like, no, 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 no. I can't be her. There's no way. I'm not Satoria. I am not her. And then she thinks again, like a new primal was ready to be born, born of mortal flesh, a shadow in the ember. And Penelope looks over at her and says, you are the heir to the lands and seas, skies and realms, a queen instead of a king. You are the primal of life. What? Like, what? You know what I'm saying? That's like a lot to like throw down and then not have a book for a whole year. Like it was like I was reading this book all over again. She's the primal of life. Um, what? She's gonna like destroy Collis, but really he like comes back during like the fourth book of Blood and Ash, which there's gonna be another book of that, thankfully. Um, yeah, they just throw it down. She's actually Satoria, which is Collis's love. Like, she's just been reborn over and over again. Like, so many things were just thrown down on the last couple pages of that book that I'm like, um, I don't really know what to think right now. Like, it's just a lot, you know? 
And none of this might make sense, and that's okay. Because maybe next week when we go over the second book, maybe it will start to make sense. There was honestly like quite a few subplots that I thought the book would go towards, but then it didn't. Basically, Collis is after her now, and yeah, it's just, there's like some spicy things, though. Like, it's pretty nice. It's a pretty nice book. Uh, but yeah, again, the world is just so complex, and even after reading the Blood and Ash series books, it's just so complex that you're like, now what does this mean again? Like, I don't know what that means, or what what does this mean now? Like, what? trying to remember everything and refresh. It's just a lot. It's just a lot. So I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you were confused as well, because it just, you know, you just have to read it. This is one series that I just, I recommend that you just read it, just read it because there's only so much I can say and do and, and explain. And it's just, it doesn't do the book justice. It really doesn't. So I just highly recommend you read the books because they're worth it and they're really really great and they suck you in because you're just so enthralled with what's happening and the spice is so good Ugh, the spice is so good anyways that's what that book is about <laughs> do you just feel like drained almost because I kind of do like it's a lot um so yeah that's that's where we're at and I'm excited to read the second book I'm excited for you to hear about the second book I really hope it's good I'm guessing it is because literally all of Jennifer Armentrout's books are so good uh yeah I'm guessing it's good but I mean we'll see maybe I'll do some like check-ins and say like hey I read this much this is what's happening like what I don't know what's happening anyways I don't know that'd be kind of cool you know uh so yeah we'll see this week is Thanksgiving, so I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving and you are able to be with family or friends or even if you're by yourself, like, you know, um, alone time is good. Like, we're, there's so many things to be thankful for and I am so grateful for all of y'all and listening to this podcast and just, you know, being part of my little family. I really appreciate it. Um, the husband and I are staying here in North Carolina. Um, we were going to go see family, but RSV is going around. And so we, yeah, the little, the little kids have it and yeah, we just, we don't want to be in their way. So we're going to have our own little Thanksgiving and it'll be really fun and cute with the dogs. So yeah, we'll just be around here, but I'm just so excited to sleep and relax and just watch movies and put up our Christmas tree like because it's time it's Christmas time I'm so excited but anyways I'm grateful for you guys so 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 grateful definitely follow me on Instagram find me in a book podcast and we'll just you know go from there so I'm excited and I'll talk to you guys later <laughs>